Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Full Court Press from Pure Hoops Media, everybody, on this Wednesday, October the 14th, 2020. The first official day of practices in college basketball across the country. I'm John Fanta, and I'll say it to you. Happy holidays, college hoops junkies, because... What does today mean? It means that we're just about six weeks out from the start of the best six-month journey of the year. It's going to be unprecedented this year. It's going to be obstacles. It's going to have some, some different things happen. But you know what? It's going to be the sport that we all know and love, college basketball, and it's right around the corner. Today's guest is one of the leaders of a program that has risen, risen from the basement to the national spotlight. And that is Rutgers head coach, Steve Peichel. Few have done the job that he's been able to do in raising the bar for this program in Piscataway. And now the Scarlet Knights are a preseason top 25 team. They have an all big 10 first team player in Geo Baker who's going to lead them. They have a physical, versatile weapon in Ron Harper Jr. Love his game. They have a freshman in Cliff Amarui who's going to add something with Miles Sanders in the front court, a deep front court. They play physical basketball, and they are a legit contender in the Big Ten. Rutgers has not danced in the NCAA tournament since 1991. And if you don't know about New Jersey college basketball, let me tell you, they're the deep, for it. It just isn't always seen in March because the programs have not had a rich tradition of success over the last three decades. Now, Seton Hall has changed that in New Jersey. They have made a serious climb back into the national spotlight. Now Rutgers is back. And that is a great thing for both the Scarlet Knights and the Big Ten Conference in college basketball, because they play at one of the toughest venues in the sport. We won't see it play out that way this year with COVID, but the rack, if you've never been there, put it on your college hoops bucket list. It's an awesome venue. So we're going to talk to Steve Feichel, but first, I've got five preseason storylines on my mind, so let's do it right now. Number one, the Big Ten is absolutely loaded. The Big Ten has five, perhaps six, top 25 preseason teams. It wouldn't shock me if there were a seventh. But that is what we're talking about with the Big Ten Conference. If you're talking about who has the best league in college basketball this year, the debate starts at number two in the country because the Big Ten is far and away number one. Luca Garza, Jordan Bohannon, and an experienced core back for Iowa and Fran McCaffrey. And the Hawkeyes have a dream of a Final Four. They're a preseason top 10 team. Wisconsin is a preseason top 10 team with Demetric Trice, 
Brad Davison and company. They return almost everybody. Greg Gard has a great core back. They don't play the prettiest style of basketball, but they are a menace to play. So that right there is two top 10 teams. I would argue that Illinois has the caliber of a top 10 Io Dosumu and Kofi Cokeburn. Remember when we talked to Brad Underwood on this show earlier in the offseason? His question was, will those guys be back? Because they were testing the NBA draft waters. They are back. And the Illini have several different offensive weapons. Champaign hasn't been this excited for college basketball in, in nearly a decade. You know, it's been a little bit since Illinois was back really in this national spotlight. The Illini are there. Michigan State's there. Rocket Watts and Aaron Henry. Xavier Tillman's gone, but, but the Spartans are going to be a contender in the Big Ten. They'll be a top four or five team. They're always there. And then beyond them, Indiana, Ohio State are all teams, as well as Michigan, are all teams that, that can be in contention. But right there, I just named you seven teams. So the Big Ten is loaded. That is my top preseason storyline. Number two. How do freshmen factor into things after an unprecedented offseason? And the program that intrigues me the most with this question is a program that's in a lot of top tens across America. By their name, will their name translate to on-court success? And I'm uncertain of the answer to that question. That's Duke, the Blue Devils. Now, they bring in Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach. We're talking about two ESPN top 20 recruits. And that's, that's the case for Duke, right? They're going to, to bring in those types of players year in and year out. But gone is Trey Jones. Gone is Vernon Carey. Gone is Cassius Stanley. And those three players combined to average over 46 points per game last season. So you lost a lot of scoring. And you do have Matt Hurt, Wendell Moore, coming back as consistent scorers. But for the Blue Devils, they're going to be relying on Jalen Johnson and Jeremy Roach in their backcourt. And after an unprecedented offseason, I'm just curious to see how those guys factor in. So that's my second storyline. Number three, is the hype real in Champaign? I go back to the Big Ten, and I just think Illinois is one of the most fascinating programs in America. They bring back two all Big Ten caliber players in Dostumu and Cokeburn. Brad Underwood has done a great job of evolving this program, particularly on the offensive end of the floor. They're, in, they're efficient. They score the ball really well. And in a Big Ten where we see muck it up games from time to time, you know, Wisconsin can play that way. Uh, Ohio State, to a degree, plays that way. I, I really think Illinois has a chance to, to be a – a consistent top 15 team that we see week in and week out and could climb, could climb even more than that. And when you're talking about them being in the same league as Iowa and Wisconsin, that's saying something. The Big Ten, in my mind, the preseason has three top 10 teams. Number four, the Atlantic 10 has depth. That's right. There might be three or four NCAA tournament teams on the Atlantic 10 this year. It's kind of all or nothing with the Atlantic 10 at times. Sometimes they get one or two. Sometimes we're talking about four, four teams. They've had those years where, where they're really strong. And this year, I think the Atlantic 10 has a pair of teams that I would put around the top 40 range in America. St. Louis, who returns basically everybody. They have Yuri Collins, Jordan Goodwin, and, and Fred Thatch in their backcourt. 
Javante Perkins and Hassan French, who's a really good front court player. Uh, they bring in a, a UNC Wilmington transfer, Martin Linson, and uh, another player in Marky Strickland, who's a key newcomer. So for the St. Louis, I almost lost the Billikens, one of the uh, unique mascot names in all of college sports. For the Billikens, I think that they have a chance to have a really special season, could flirt with rankings, could be the best team in the Atlantic 10, but they have a strong opposition. A strong opposition that is the Richmond Spiders. I love the job that Chris Mooney has done with Richmond. I saw them in person last year in Brooklyn, and they played and beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin, who welcomes everybody back and is about to be a top 10 team in the country. I was extremely impressed with Richmond, the way that they defended, and then they were very, very efficient. Jacob Gilliard, their lead guard, is a high-level player. If you don't know his name, you're going to know it. You know, they bring in a, a couple of newcomers, in, including a two-lane transfer, Connor Crabtree, who I like a lot. I just think that with the Spiders, they've got the pieces to be an Atlantic 10 contender as well. So in the Atlantic 10, you have two teams that could be receiving top 25 votes. That's good for the league. Beyond those two, they've got a couple of other intriguing teams. You know, Rhode Island is an interesting team. I've heard some interesting things uh, about Duquesne, a team to keep an eye on in the Atlantic 10. And, oh, by the way, Dayton's always a factor. So the Atlantic 10 is loaded. It, they, they, they could have a year where there are three or four teams in the NCAA tournament. Sometimes that's not the case for them. So watch out for the Atlantic 10 have a bit of a sneaky year. That's four. And my fifth, UConn is back in the Big East. Voters are talking about them as a potential top 25 team. James Booknight is an all-Big East preseason first-team selection. The Huskies bring in Andre Jackson, who I think has a chance to be the Big East freshman of the year. He's a wing. He's six foot seven. He's taken really well to Booknight and Howard transfer R.J. Cole's tutelage. Talk with Jackson last week. Really liked what I heard. I think that he's a really interesting player for UConn on the wing. Lengthy can give them an offensive boost. In the front court, the Huskies have tons of depth. They're loaded with it. A cook, a cook should be back from an injury in late December or January, and they bring in a four-star recruit named Adama Sonogo and have a couple of, under, of upperclassmen who can play front court roles as well. So the Huskies are the only team in the Big East that can say this. They both return over 70% of their scoring and welcome in a top 25 recruiting class. Is UConn back? On paper, it appears that the answer to that question is yes. And then being in the Big East makes it a really sexy storyline because they just fit in that league. Somebody who knows a thing or two about UConn is a former Husky. When he was a captain, for Jim Calhoun's UConn team, the Huskies hoisted their first Big East championship trophy. Now at Rutgers, he has the Scarlet Knights thinking about Big Ten championships this year. Sure, they've got a lot of teams to compete with, but the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers are a preseason top 25 team, perhaps top 20 team. They've got a senior leader in Geo Baker. They've got a nice core. We talked all things Rutgers basketball with their head coach, Steve Peichel.
Well, on this first day of practices across the country in college basketball, as he just said to me, it feels like Christmas. And it really does in Piscataway, where there are high hopes for Rutgers basketball. We're joined by the fifth-year head coach of the Scarlet Knights, Steve Peichel. And Steve, I know you have to be excited for what you have in this upcoming year's team. As you look at the process to get the program to where it stands right now, how much do you appreciate the ingredients and the players and the different people that it's taken to build this thing to where it is? Oh, I, I'm the first coach that I'll tell you it takes, it takes everybody. And, you know, I'm just proud. My staff has done an unbelievable job, but the players um, have embraced the obstacles, done a great job. But the university, I mean, just can't be more proud. In, in my four years, the university has just grown you know, tremendously. And, and now even more exciting times. We have a new president um, in his short, like three, four months, he already, you know, has started the Institute for Study of Global Racial Justice, you know, and he's raised, I don't know, $15 billion. Like, how do you do that in a few months? You know, he's done a great job with that. We have a brand new practice facility. We got Coach Ciano out there on the football field and doing all kinds of things in the recruiting world there. And um, university just continues to go up in its rankings, through academic rankings. Um, so it's been a really exciting time. And when, when you start your podcast off with high expectations, that, that wasn't the case three or four years ago. Um, and now to think, you know, that the staff and, and, and the people in the program and the great athletic director, having Pat Hobbs here and doing the job he's done to raise money during this, you know, tough time too is, you know, just made this exciting, and, and you need everybody. You need the great fans that have made the rack now, you know, arguably, I thought, at the end of last year, the toughest venue in all of college basketball, you know, to play at. And, um, you know, that probably wasn't the case four years ago when we first started this journey, but uh, it is now, and we're going to miss them this year. But, uh, um, you know, the program's come a long way, and academically, too. I mean, we had a 3.5 team GPA last, last semester, so – come a long way in a lot of areas and, and look forward to the future. One thing that I look at around college basketball, Steve, when you talk about trying to build a program up, you're competing in the Big Ten. It's not as if it's just easy to work your way up in that league. What has it taken? Well, I will tell you what, the Big Ten, um, first of all, is, is just tremendous. And that has helped us in our growth um, tremendously. Whenever you could get on the phone and tell the guy that you're going to play Michigan State on a Tuesday and then you're going to play at Ohio State on a Wednesday in Indiana, you know, the following week and, and, and what those programs, you know, uh, mean to college athletics, um, you know, and you're a part of that league. You're a part of that excitement. I also say we, we brought a lot to college basketball to the state of New Jersey. They get to see Iowa play. They get to see Michigan now and Juwan Howard, the great job he's doing. And they get to see these teams up, up close and, and personal. And, uh, you know, so it, it really, you know, has been exciting, but it's also been very difficult. Like it's the best league in the country. And, and you know, everyone could argue about this league or that league. We get the most teams in the NCAA tournament. We sell out the most games. It's been, I think we're 44 years straight now um, in college basketball of, of leading the nation in attendance. We're the most fan watched, TV watched league in, in, in the country. So um, it's truly a blessing to be in this league. And then when you, you know, uh, 
you understand the academic part of this league too, just some of the great universities, some of the great research universities. And, um, you know, where Rutgers is a part of this and doing well. So it's, it's really, it's really exciting. First day of practice as we talk here on this October the 14th in the unprecedented year that has been 2020. How would you compare where your team is right now to where it would be under normal circumstances at this point? Yeah, unfortunately, John, these are normal now. This is our new normal. Um, you know, uh, every year is a different challenge. You know, people always compare one year to the next. I've been fortunate to be doing this for 30 years. Every year is different. You know, your junior class becomes a senior class. Your, you know, incoming class, you graduate kids, um, you deal with injuries, you know, and now we've thrown in a once in a hundred years or a pandemic. Uh, uh, we're throwing in no fans being at games. So the obstacles like are numerous. I like the summer that we had, we've been healthy. I think that's really important. Um, we've adjusted under all these circumstances. Our facility, thankfully, we got in September 1 of last year. This facility is, is, is more built for this kind of pandemic. We have outdoor space that we can meet with, and we have indoor-outdoor weight room um, that we could utilize. Um, we have our own facility that if we keep really clean, and we've done a really good job of that, and we don't share with other teams. Um, so. Very thankful that, that we're in this new facility now. It has certainly helped us through, you know, this pandemic. Uh, but I like the way our team has grown. I think I've recruited kids, and I say this to them often, I want to recruit kids that when no one's watching, you're getting better. You know, it's easy when a coach is in the gym to work hard and do that. But when no one's watching, that's what really separates, you, you know, players and their player development. We recruited a great group of kids that – really enjoy basketball and want to work on their game. So I can't take any credit for that. It's truly, they've all come back and they're better. And we've, you know, managed this pandemic. Hopefully we can continue to because the team that can manage pandemic the best and not have 14 day quarantines and not have 10 day quarantines and not go through all the things that a lot of teams are going through is going to have a chance to, you know, have a special year. And hopefully we can, you know, we can do a really good job, continue to do a really good job, you know, managing those. You talk about that work ethic that you look for in the players that you recruit. How much does Geo Baker epitomize that? You know, I think a, a lot of our guys do. Um, you know, certainly Geo came to us a long time ago as the 414th ranked player in the country. And uh, um, I remember, you know, people – quite honestly, he didn't think he could play at this level, you know, and I remember that. And that's part of why this recruiting thing is always, you know, it's always what's in a player's heart and their work ethic. I knew Gio had special qualities in that area. I think the, the fact that he was, you know, not rated has motivated him too. Um, he's got a little chip on his shoulder, but he's come in here and he's done everything. He's been a great student, he's been a great ambassador of our program. He's gotten better every year, physically, mentally, um, with his basketball game. And now he's one of the elite players, you know, in the country. And uh, I think he's going to have a great year. He's continued to improve. He's going to be an awesome leader for us this year. That's a big goal for him. And, and uh, um, hopefully he'll just continue to add to what has been an unbelievable career. You know, I was reading a, a piece, Jerry Carino from the Asbury Park Press, who does a great job covering 
New Jersey College basketball, did a Q&A with you, and, and he asked you about the expectations. And, and you brought up the fact that you go into every season with high expectations for yourselves. What do you think the outside looking at you now as, as a team that is more on the hunted side than you are under the radar, how that changes things? I mean, you know, we play in a league that, like, if you don't bring it, you know, I think 11 teams are ranked right now out of 14 in different polls across the country. So, you know, you're going to play the best, you know, every night. If your team isn't focused, if your team doesn't have good chemistry, if they're not willing to sacrifice, um, you know, you're, you're not going to have the kind of year that you want to have. So our expectations have always been high, no matter what the outside expectations are now. The outside expectations have caught up with our expectations anyways of the program. So, um, you know, I tell the guys all the time, put your phones down. They don't help you win games. They don't help you do anything. So hopefully they're not, you know, spending a lot of time, you know, on what other people's expectations are. Hopefully they're spending time on what's important and that's having the best season we can have and graduating and, you know, becoming a better student and basketball player and, um, you know, that's time well spent right now. Uh, and we got to prove it. You know, one thing, we haven't been ranked preseason. So now, you know, we were ranked last year. We were uh, ranked for the first time in a long time. And, um, you know, when you lose, you, you move out of those rankings real quickly. Now, you know, our, our goal this year is to continue to be ranked. And that means we've had a really good season and we've won a lot of games. Taking a deeper dive into your roster, Steve, and Steve Peichel, Rutgers, men's basketball head coach is our guest on Full Court Press this week. What do you think determines, and, and I know that there's a couple different players, but if you'd like to, if you could take a deep dive on what you have, what do you think determines if you are even better than where you ended last year? I mean, it's always your veteran guys. You know, your veteran guys have to improve and learn from, you know, what they went through last year. You know, there were expectations last year. I mean, we started that home winning streak and um, the added pressure of every game at home, you have to win, you have to win. You know, they live through that now. Um, they live through being ranked. They live through winning games on the road and on senior night. They've, um, you know, if they've taken those lessons and now they can share them with the freshmen and, and the newcomers and they've improved their game, um, you know, that's what we, you know, that's what we expect and, 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 I think we've also had an expectation here, you know, Rutgers basketball, whether we were picked 12th or 14th or, 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 or higher, that we're going to be a tough basketball team and an unselfish basketball team. We're going to defend and we're going to rebound. Those things have to continue, um, you know, to happen. And our guys have to, you know, continue to believe that's how we're going to win basketball games. So, um, you know, we have high expectations again, you know, but we got to go through all the obstacles of this year. And there's going to be plenty of them. One of those veterans, Ron Harper Jr., what do you see in his game? What's the first thing that pops in your mind when I say Ron Harper Jr.? Yeah, for, I mean, versatility is the first thing that, that pops in my mind. Um, the other thing that always, you know, start with, he's a great, unbelievable person, comes from a great family. You know, I think those qualities are so important, too. Um, but on the basketball court, he's continued to improve. He's still one of the youngest guys in our program age-wise. Um, he continues to improve, and he's truly gotten himself to the point where he's a three-level scorer, which there are not a lot of in this country. He can post you. 
He can take you off the dribble. He can shoot threes. Um, you know, so he continues to be a real tough matchup. And we haven't had a lot of those players in, in, in the last four years. And, 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 you know, in our program, guys that could do that. Every team seems to have those kind of guys. Um, and now we truly have a guy that can score at all three levels. He's physically really um, st strong and, and, and gifted. And, you know, he's got to continue to, to, you know, make his improvements. But he's proven that he can defend at this level. He's proven that he can score. Um, and now hopefully his, his junior year, he puts all that stuff together and, you know, has a great consistency. If he does, it'll, it'll mean good things for Rutgers basketball. Physical basketball. I, I wouldn't think of a New Jersey team any other way. And you, you play to that style when the rack is full. It, it really just, it's the perfect fit. What are the possibilities? And I know you've got some, some new blood in, in your front court. Yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, our biggest strength this year, and, and thank God because of the pandemic and all the things that that brings, you know, is our depth. You know, we have, you know, really good depth. And uh, our front court is as deep as it's been. And, you know, adding Cliff and Dean, Dean, Dean and Cliff are two physically um, gifted, you know, young players. Um, and then also Oscar up front, we could play him. He's kind of a move it around kind of guy. And, and Mawat Mag is, is ready to defend at this level. And he's six foot seven. Oscar's six foot eight. Dean is six foot 10. Cliff is seven feet. You know, um, they've, they've added, you know, a lot to us physically. But also, I love their approach. They're coachable kids. They're really coachable. And I love that. And they're hard workers. So they're exactly what you want. In, 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 you know, in players and, um, you know, they're going to add some depth, but we also have, you know, depth in the backcourt too, um, which, you know, bodes well. Every time I turn my head and my door, there's a knock on my door. It's our trainer. And, you know, usually he's coming in with 10 day quarantines, 14 day quarantines, you know, contract tracing, all of that kind of stuff. You need great depth at this time. And you know, our league put in a rule 21 days with no symptoms, you're out. If you, you know, hopefully we won't have any of those kind of issues, but your depth is really going to show this year. And if you don't have depth, it's going to be a real problem. Steve, do you get the sense that just with everything happening right now and the risk that's involved with travel, do you get the sense that the majority of your non-conference comes in New Jersey? Yeah, I mean, you know, people don't want to travel. You know, there's travel bans, there's travel everything, uh, quarantines that go along with it. The more you're putting your guys in planes and putting them in different hotels, there's risk. Um, so there's a lot of these conversations that are, are going on across the country. You know, we're learning a lot. Um, learned a lot from the NBA bubble. They didn't travel. They stayed pretty healthy. The baseball started off. They were traveling and that was not going well. You know, there's just a lot you're learning, you know, as you go through the process. The number one responsibility for, for, for myself and for Rutgers basketball is keep these guys healthy. You know, it really is. And testing has a lot to do with it. We're heading to testing every day. A lot of these programs aren't or can't or won't. Um, but we're trying to make it as healthy and safe for our players as possible. And, you know, as you start formulating your schedule, you know, the more you travel, the more issues you're going to have. And that's pr pretty much been um, discussed and seen um, throughout all these sporting events that are going on right now. All right, I'm going to go back in time here. 
you were the captain for UConn's first Big East championship team. And I want to go back to those great days as a Husky, all the way back to the first time you met Jim Calhoun. Tell me about the first time you met Coach. Well, first, uh, I was blessed, you know, to, to play in a program, you know, play for a Hall of Fame coach. Um, I was year one of his tenure, two at, at University of Connecticut. He made it look easy after, after our classes uh, left. But, uh, um, you know, just very thankful for all the great people. Dave Lado was on that coaching staff, Howie Dickerman, Glenn Miller, you know, just some really quality basketball and quality people. Um, but Coach Calhoun has been truly like a blessing for me as, as you're trying to build a program at a you know, big state university, like in a great league, like he went through. Uh, what a great advantage of, you know, to have a guy that you can just call up on the phone and know that he's gone through a lot of things that you're trying to figure out now. So uh, very thankful. I met him in my home as a high school senior. So when he took over the program, he sat in my living room and he told me, um, how good UConn basketball was going to be at that time. And UConn hadn't had much success, you know, especially in the Big East. And just, just remember when he left saying, this, this guy's going to get it done. Just had that feeling about him. And then, you know, to be able to see how hard he worked and, and the, the mission that he was on to make UConn basketball relevant in the best league in the country at the time, the Big East, um, was just unbelievable. So, um, you know, thankful, thankful I had that experience under him to watch him build the program. Then I got a chance to coach with him on the staff to learn even more, sit in the, those meetings with him and to now hear um, some of the reasons he did the things he did when I was playing for him. You know, it was just a great experience for me and, you know, just really, you know, blessed, you know, to still have him in my life and have him helping me. What's his best piece of advice that always sticks with you? You know what? I mean, what was the most amazing thing? I, I really believe, you know, in, in my time with him, and he's, he's really a brilliant man and a driven man, um, how great he was with his, his family. You know, that's, you know, what I thought was, was one of the things. And, and basketball, and, and, and when you're the head coach of these places, it's always taking you away from your family. Everything you do, you go recruiting, you take away from your family. You have to speak at functions. It's always at the sacrifice of your family. He did an unbelievable job of, of managing all that, being a great father, you know, and, and husband, you know. So he, those are things I learned more than, you know, all the great basketball lessons and, and, and all those things and how he took a program that had never had a winning, you know, winning season in, in the Big East, a national championship, you know, program. But uh, – most especially what I learned from him was how to manage all the obligations he had and still do the things that are most important, being a great dad and being there for your family. And he's been unbelievable with that, you know, and still a great example for how you can do both. Speaking of family, it runs in the Peichel family basketball. That's your daughter, uh, part of the, the Northwestern women's basketball program. So tell me when, when the Wildcats meet the Scarlet Knights there, I got to imagine there's some level of text chain or discussion. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful. She plays for a great coach out there. They won the, they won the big 10 on the girls side and, yeah. and uh, she's a senior now. It's gone way too quickly, but she's at a great university with great people. And I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, a lot of young, a lot of basketball, a lot of traveling with her, with AAU to get her to that point. So I'm thankful for that. My son is a sophomore here at Rutgers. So, 
I'm real proud of him. He picked a great school and, uh, uh, you know, he's doing a great job too. And my, my daughter has committed to North Carolina for lacrosse. She's, you know, a lacrosse player. That's a great program out there. I'm really excited about that. And my little guy is in eighth grade now and he thinks he's got shooters in New Jersey. So he's got a tremendous confidence and, uh, Hopefully he'll keep working hard to, you know, have the opportunities that his older brothers and sisters have had. And, and so, uh, yeah, I'm very thankful. And I got a great wife, so she makes it all happen. So she's done a great job with all of them. That's some epic backyard basketball there through the years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, we imagine, you know, these kids, are, they're competitive. They're competitive in, in, in everything that they do. And, um you know, I think that's why they've set goals for themselves and they've been able to achieve some of those goals. So, you know, I'm pleased they got a little bit of work ethic and, and, and uh, pleased that they have goals for themselves and they want to achieve, you know, in, in sports too. All right. Something you learned about yourself during quarantine. Well, I mean, really, what, what I really learned was, I, and I said this to um, my family, uh, how much my wife does. You know, I'm usually, I leave for work and I don't ever truly understand that, you know, when your kids are in sports and when your kids are in different clubs and different things, I mean, she's at events, she's at fundraisers, she's uh, dropping my kids off, she's making sure they're doing the schoolwork and all those things. So I really appreciate my wife more than ever, knowing what she's done for 29 years. I've been running around coaching basketball and usually as soon as practice is over, I'm on a plane or in a car traveling to see recruits, you know, really got a chance to, see her in action and uh, much respect and, and, and greatly appreciate her. Uh, uh, I thought I did before the pandemic, but now I really, I uh, really saw the work up front and, and, and close. We like to get to know coaches across the country and a little bit of their personality. So I'm curious to, to hear because your SID Jordan said, I'm not sure what's going to happen with this answer. So the question is simple. You get three bands or artists, anybody, anybody, through the years, whatever, that you're playing in the car. Who, who's on it? You know what? Who's on it? I really like uh, all kinds of different music. And now my kids, I enjoy some of theirs. So when I get in the car, it's right. always right. They always have to have control over it. But, you know, I really like Justin Timberlake. That's a guy I listen to. Uh, a lot and then you know I, I like chain smokers I actually like listening to them but then I like some of my kids music too Post Malone and uh, you know but then I'm old school at times too John so I got that old school stuff and I like Michael McDonald and the Doobie Brothers and Earth Wind and Fire and that kind of thing too so just depends on you know how I'm feeling that day what kind of music I want to listen to in the car and, and uh I've been able to listen to a lot more music too, actually during the pandemic. So I've been reading books and listening and appreciate, you know, the music too that's out there. I never got a chance to do any of that stuff, only in my car. Uh, I used to read at the airport a ton, but I've been able to really sit down and, and, and do some different things and appreciate a little free time and, 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 and listening to music and, and, and uh, reading books and watching a lot of films. So uh, that's some things I've been able to catch up on. Little black water, listen to the music minute by minute. I can throw I love Doobie Brothers. There you go. I love it. I love it too. And uh, you know, it's fun. I grew up I was I had nine brothers and sisters. 
So through the years, I used to, one of my brothers loved Boss Skaggs, and so I listened to that music when I hear that, and the Doobie Brothers were always on, and Earth, Wind, and Fire, my sister used to love. So I was fortunate to live through all the generations with my, my brothers and sisters, too. Do you ever get a family reunion at a game through the years? You know what? We've gotten a lot of them to some, some of the games, and we try to have a family reunion. Every, the last one was in New Jersey, my second year here um at Rutgers so they all came to New Jersey we had an unbelievable time um we were going to have one this past summer and obviously uh times changed a little bit with that but hopefully we could get all together this coming summer hopefully Jen if we get a vaccination and we're ready to roll again that would be great because uh, uh time flies quickly you know and uh miss seeing them all the time and getting them all together Steve as you embark on this season of Rutgers basketball, the program, which would have gone there last year uh, by all accounts, but I know things, you know, didn't turn out the way that, that everybody wanted them to, but you're seeking your first big dance appearance since 1991. And, and I know that you don't take that lightly. What's your message to the fan base that's been there from day one of your era when times were not like they are right now that as you get ready for this season, your message to them? Hey, you know, I love the fan base. They've been great. Um, we've come a long way, too. I mean, we've done it together. Um, we've made the rack arguably the toughest place in college basketball to play. I saw a poll just recently that Cameron has won, and I don't know if we were, like, number four on that list. And we've come a long way. They've been a big part of this. We're going to continue to work. I'm thankful for my staff. Uh, for coming back. They all had chances to leave again. Um, they've stayed. I'm thankful to my players, thankful to Rutgers University for giving me this opportunity. We're going to continue to make you proud. We're going to uh, be hopefully a basketball program that year in and year out goes to the NCAA tournament. We have to stop answering those questions every year. Um, and that's what we're trying to do here with this program. And we're trying to do it within the values of, of a great university. We want our kids to graduate. They all have. Uh, we had the highest grade point average in the history of Rutgers basketball. Want to continue to, you know, um, produce great examples of, of Rutgers University, and that's the guys that we have in the program. So, um, real thankful for everyone, and, and thankful for this opportunity. Don't don't take it lightly, and we're going to continue to make it a great basketball program. Just a thought: first practice uh, ahead, and you more than likely are not going to to be having fans in the stands. It doesn't sound like there's there's many programs, if at all, that are going to have them at least to start the season. How much do you preach to your guys? Hey, we have to create our own energy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge part of it. It's, it's all about energy, and, and you have to be good when no one's watching. You know, and I've said that to our guys in the summertime, like, who's going to get better? Nobody's watching you. Are you going to shoot 500 shots? Are you, are you going to get a great workout in, or are you going to get an okay workout in? Well, you got to be good when no one's watching. You know, hopefully this year we'll have the highest TV ratings of any Rutgers, you know, teams in, in, in the history. And that would be a great thing. But, you know, guys got to be motivated and bring their own energy every day. And it starts with practice. And it's going to start today with practice. we got to approach every practice like it's a game. And, you know, hopefully our guys will be in that mode. And they all want to have a special season. I know that we can have one. we got to navigate all the obstacles that are out there. But we've navigated a lot of obstacles in the last four years. And, and to make this a, a program that everyone can be proud of. And I know this group will keep up that mission. Last one for me. Any practice tradition, anything 
that at a Steve Peichel practice, I know you're working hard, you're, you're working your tail off, but something specific that you could share that, that you love either working on or that you do? No, I mean, we try to end practice with smiles. Like, guys are happy. You know, I want to start practice with that. We're going to have the music playing. I think it's Gio's favorite group will be on today. Um, and, 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 and I want to end practice with smiles. In the middle, we work hard. We respect each other. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're playing basketball. It's something that they all love to do. I love to coach. I want my staff to be that way. I want my players to be that way. And we'll have a, we'll have a great day today. And great days to come. Steve Peichel, best of luck this season. Thanks for taking the time. John, I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. Hope to see you soon. Great stuff from Steve Peichel. The job that he's done in Piscataway is really remarkable, and it's going to be intriguing to see if the Scarlet Knights can continue their momentum from last year. They certainly have the pieces to do it, but they're going to have a very different role. They are the hunted. They're one of the hunted in the Big Ten, and that takes a different mentality. And for Rutgers, they were a team last year. They, they didn't win on the road until late in Big Ten play. So it'll be interesting to, to see here how they do. Obviously, there won't be crowds, or at least it looks like that that's going to be the case. But for Rutgers, I think that, that is, that's the big thing here heading into this season is teams are going to look at them differently. And as Steve Peichel said, if you don't bring it in the Big Ten, things can get lost in the shuffle quickly. But the, the biggest thing with being in that league this year is that one win can change the entire trajectory of your season because there's going to be resume opportunities. And, and assuming that we have a regular 68-team NCAA tournament, the Big Ten is, is probably going to cannibalize itself to a degree in terms of just you've got so many good teams. You're going to probably see, you know, an Iowa – lose to a Michigan State, but Michigan State falls to an Indiana or, or something like that, you know, and, and I just think that, that that's going to create a great level of parity in the Big Ten. You've got multiple Final Four contenders, but you also have seven, eight, nine teams that can realistically make that NCAA tournament, if not 10. I mean, that this league is stacked. And for Rutgers, I'm interested to see how they factor in with these increased expectations. And by the way, a scheduling note on the Scarlet Knights. This was first reported by our friend and colleague, Jeff Goodman, from Stadium. With Rutgers pulling out of the Jimmy V Classic, which was supposed to be moved out to Orlando, with the Scarlet Knights staying home, and there's some quarantine rules with New Jersey that Rutgers is abiding by. Rutgers is going to play in a three-team, multi-team event. It, it certainly is not the same level as Jimmy V, but this is just a, an illustration, folks, of what we're seeing in college basketball scheduling. Rutgers is going to play in the New Jersey Hoop Group Classic with Ryder and Fairleigh Dickinson, two other New Jersey teams, on November 29th and 30th. And I assume that those games will be at the rack, uh, Rutgers' home venue. So the Scarlet Knights, you know, they're, they're probably going to be staying home for, for the majority of this non-conference schedule, not traveling, but they've been able to get an MTE together themselves. And that's what you have to do. You know, we keep saying it, and, and we talked about this last week on the show, it's not always going to be fair. There's going to be obstacles this college basketball season. And the message remains the same. It's three words. Deal with it. Deal with it. People have had to go through a whole lot 
uh, a hell of a lot more um, in real life and in our medical world and beyond than a rivalry game and whether it's fair or not to play it because there are are no fans in your home venue. You know, so the, the fact is, figure it out. It's not always going to be fair. Got to forge on. That's how this season's going to be. You know, and at the end of the day, as we start practices up here in, in the sport of college basketball, and you're about six weeks out from the season, just the excitement level of, of seeing a season tip off after what this sport went through. This sport, you could argue, has been more damaged than any other in the world of sports. I mean, their, their main event, when all eyes are on it, I've taken away. Can't afford to have that happen again. And to get to that point, you've got to make things work as much as you possibly can. So if the health and safety of your players is being preserved, you do whatever it takes to make the game experiences happen for them. If the health and safety is taken care of. And of course, uh, you know, what, what happens in the classroom and this year virtually, it'll be interesting to see how hybrid classroom models affect how teams schedule and what teams do to a degree. Um, we, there's still a level of unknown. A lot's going to come together. A lot needs to come together here over the next six weeks, and we have you covered on Full Court Press. Thanks again to Steve Michael for spending time with us, the Rutgers men's basketball head coach and his Scarlet Knights, getting ready for a season of high expectations. Thanks also to our producer, Mike Lieber, as well as Bruce Bernstein for all of their help. Tom Phillip edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. And you can check out our other Pure Hoops media shows. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong drops each Wednesday. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt and King McClure drop by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and I'll be back every Tuesday with Full Court Press. Check out our shows, subscribe and download them, rate and review them, but most of all, enjoy. See you next week on Full Court Press. Full Court Press is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.